And as we uh, keep all those songs in our head now, as well as that um, Holy Spirit window, and as we were praying, because that is what Samson, the life of Samson, is really going to teach us. When he was totally dedicated to Jesus, he was full of the Spirit. And as we were praying, fall afresh on us, Spirit of the living God. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us, fall afresh on me. That is the prayer. We, if we learn the lesson of Samson, we want to pray that as we go. So as, I, as we're thinking about Samson, keep your eye on that window and think about that, that those saints, the angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, focus on him. And they know the power of the Spirit. And that is what we, that's, what we, that's why we've just been singing like that. Because we want to focus on the King, the divine King, the divine Emperor, the one who makes sense of all things, the one who is like the source. And as he says to that woman at the well, if you knew who I was, you could just ask me and you could know the Spirit living in you. That is like everything we've been singing is really driving us towards this guy, Samson, and the lesson there. Samson, if you've got a church Bible, you might turn to page uh, 259, if you want one of the church Bibles. It's page 259. It's actually the story of Samson goes from Judges 13 through to 16, but we'll look at just one little bit, the end of his life, actually, Um, He's an extraordinary character. In Hebrews 11, verse 32, Samson is listed as one of the great heroes of the Christian faith. One of the saints who was dedicated to Christ in the Old Testament. He looked to him to be the author and finisher of his faith. Um, And he's one of only two people whose birth is promised and prophesied in the Old Testament. The other being, anyone? Isaac, yes, well done. Yeah, Isaac. There's Isaac and Samson. Their births births are prophesied, promised. Those are the only two. So there he is, and he's this extraordinary sort of poet and warrior. He's the original kind of poet warrior. He often just drums up poetry on the spot, amazing stuff. So he's clever, creative, mighty warrior, utterly from before he was born, dedicated to Christ the Lord, the divine king, champion of God's people. You know, and then the Hobbit film, Tolkien, where there's riddle challenges, you know, I've got a riddle and the Smeagol and all that stuff. All of that is from Samson. Samson's the original riddle challenger. All that stuff. So he's a great warrior, but he's also this creative poet guy and invented the whole Hobbit riddle challenges. <laughs> well, you know, in the, not really, but yeah, Hobbits aren't. Are they real? Anyway. Samson. Think of the incredible things he did. Oh, and this is the thing. At the end of chapter, we're going to look at why he wasn't, why he lost the spirit. So I'm preparing you for that. But I first want you to know he was a spirit-filled man for the vast majority of his life. At the end of, uh, he lived over 3,000 years ago. And um, it says at the end of Judges 15, after we've had 13, 14, and 15, three chapters about the birth of Samson and his life and so on. 
It says Samson led Israel as one of the judges for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. So I don't know when he started to be a judge, if he started to be the judge of Israel when he was, say, I don't know, 20. And he grew up, and from all his, from even as a baby, he's dedicated to the Lord. And say up till 20, he's preparing for this role, and then he is this judge of Israel. For, so, so when we get to the bit when he loses it, and we'll see how he does lose it, maybe he's 40. I don't know, but like, so he, for, people often remember Samson for his fall. But first of all, the, the, to appreciate this guy, you've got to remember he is this extraordinary spirit-filled hymn writer warrior who led Israel for all these years and gave them triumph over their enemies. And he was, he constantly is told he's filled with the spirit and then does amazing things. And you think of the incredible things he did in the power of the Spirit. He killed a lion with his bare hands. And of course, the symbolism, like the devil's like a lion and you can't beat him and he blocks your way. But Samson's like, nah, get filled with the Spirit, focused on Christ. Lion isn't going to be a problem. Um, spirit came upon him. He fought against 30 men. Be imagine beating 30 men in a fight. <laughs> it's just impossible. No, he did it. Uh, he captured 300 foxes and used them to spread fire as a, as a war tactic. It was crazy. Um, he picked up the jawbone of a donkey and with just that went to war and, and, and defeated 1,000 Philistines. 1,000 with just a bone as a weapon. Crazy. When he was thirsty at the end of that fight, the Spirit of God produced this miraculous spring of water to quench his thirst. Suddenly, like, remember, Moses did that, didn't he? Like, here's water just springs up to quench thirst. That happened to Samson, too. It's one of the things that happens to people in the Bible. It's like, and again, that symbolism of this, this, this spring of water that wells up to quench his thirst, that is itself saying, here is someone who, know, who is drinking from the, the living water, and so water is provided for him. It's all that. And then um, when, he, when he was trapped in a city, he ripped the gates off the city, not just the gates, the, the lintel and doorposts and everything. He just goes, and pulls the whole lot off, carries them on his back for over 30 miles, so more than a marathon, and goes up a mountain and lobs them on the top of Mount Hebron over 30 miles away. Yeah, crazy stuff. All done because he has this the power of the Spirit, this like unbelievable power of God with him. Now, how did he do, how did he do this? What's the secret of his strength? Um, well, I'll tell you what, let's first of all uh, see what happened to him. Let's say he's age 40 and he's been dedicated, but he started to become compromised and he started he's to look at things and he starts to be guided by his eyes, and he goes, now that I like the look of. And it's a thing that you see in his life that he starts to see and be tempted by what he sees and how he looks at people and things. And he starts to give his heart, not, dead, not his passion is not the Lord. It starts to be himself. Let's see what happens. We'll read it. 
Uh, it's Judges 16. We'll go from verse 1. Although I remember the, the verse we just had said that Samson led Israel for 20 years. But this is what happened after that. So it's Judges 16. We'll go from verse 1. We might uh, go to verse 9 and then maybe skip a few verses just so we don't, because it's, it's a long chapter. But let's read it. One day, Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute and he went in to spend the night with her. So there's a clue he's gone bad straight away. It's, it's pretty obvious something's gone wrong with the guy there. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, at dawn we'll kill him. But Samson lay there till the middle of the night. Then he got up, this is it, watch this, took hold of the doors of the city gate, together with the posts, tore them loose, bar and all, lifted them to his shoulders, carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Hebron is like, I think, 37 miles away from Gaza. So you're just like, what? Anyway, sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the Valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. She's a Philistine. Sorek means, um, it's a valley of vineyards. Bear that in mind. He shouldn't have been hanging around vineyards at all, as we'll see later. But he was. Things were going wrong in his life. He was losing it. The rulers of the Philistines went to Delilah and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength. Now think of that. They know, when they look at this guy, he doesn't look strong. Let's just think. Well, anyway, leave that for a minute. Uh, see if you can learn into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. I'll tell you what, can I do my images now? Is that possible? Because they ask this question, what is the secret of this guy's strength, right? Uh, and, and they think, as you will see when we read the story, that it's something magical almost. He's got like a magical potion or he's got a ring that grants him enormous physical strength or there's some sort of obviously supernatural explanation because why would they think that? Now, this is how Samson is normally depicted in art. We're going to have a look at some images. Did you see those first two? Um, massive. Look at that first one, the guy on the right. I mean, that is unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, that is like more than a superhero. Uh, there's a, that's a much older one on the left, but again, he's massive. He's massive. Look at this. That one on the right is from that children's Bible. I always remember that image. Um, but look at the state on the guy. He's monstrous. And then that's a much more classical painting. But again, on the left, he's big unit. He's a big stocky unit there. Let's have another. Look at this one. I mean, that makes Hulk look like he's in trouble. I mean, that guy on the right, look at that. And then the one on the left, again, from the comic Bible. He's like, again, he's like, but the one on the right, I mean, that is Hulk. There's again, there's again like a Hulk dude. And then the one on the, on the left where he's pulling the temple down and he's got like an unbelievable Mr. Universe figure. That, is that I think that's all of them, isn't it? Um, we can go back to the reading. That is how Samson is typically depicted, right? 
Now, if you see that guy, you don't go, what's the secret of your strength? Well, he's massive. <laughs> how come, how is this man able to do great feats of strength? Well, look at the size on him. I mean, he, you know, he's absolutely gargantuan. You wouldn't need to ask, can you find out the secret of how come he's strong? There's no secret. The guy is, is you know, absolutely Goliath thing. So he obviously didn't look like that. That's the point. He obviously didn't look like that. Because there's no mystery then. The guy's an absolute mountain. But they know that, isn't it? He probably is more like me. <laughs> Tiny little weedy fella. Who, you know, probably couldn't hardly lift up a Bible or something. Whereas that, and they're like, how is this guy able to lift up this city gate and carry it 30 miles. It's impossible. It's magical or something because he's a tiny little fellow or just a regular sized man. There's nothing, the point is, there's nothing physically about him to explain this. Nothing. And that is one of the key lessons about Samson about the power of the spirit in a person. The power of the Spirit in a person, a person can be filled with the power of God to do impossible things, overcome impossible sins and addictions and preach with courage and love and all sorts of things, bear witness to Christ the Lord in extraordinary ways with tremendous fruit. But you look, if you just looked at that person from a flesh and blood point of view, you'd go, nah, nah, there's nothing to them. But when they're filled with the Spirit of God, anything is possible. That's true of you this morning. You might say, no, you don't understand my life. There's very little options. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you look like or how you might be judged from flesh and blood. The secret of power with God, fruitfulness with God, is not that. It's not flesh and blood. It's something else. So the, 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 that's that. We're done the images. <laughs> um, let's carry on with the reading. So uh, Judges 16, verse, we've had verse 5. Um, so Delilah said to Samson. So she's getting bribed a lot. There's five, five Philistine kings are going to give 1,100 shekels each. Shekel, 30 shekels, that's a week's wage. So I can't work it out. Someone cleverer might. But, you know, it's hundreds of thousands of pounds. It's a lot, maybe a million pounds. Let's say that she's going to make out of this. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength. And how, not only tell me your secret, but also tell me how you can be defeated. How can you be tied up and subdued? Samson answered her, well, if anyone uh, ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. So they, they're expecting a magical answer, and he's giving a sort of magical answer, isn't he? Uh, then the rulers of the Philistines uh, brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. With men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson! The Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. Again, that notion of a flame because the Spirit of God like burns within him and it's a boom, right? 
The secret of his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah's upset. So she asks a couple more times. I won't read it now, but they're all funny. And he gives ludicrous answers. And they, they try them and they fail. Maybe we could go down to verse 15. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. (laughs) No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more, he has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair, and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, which really were the source of his downfall in many ways, and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding corn in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow. That's him. What was the secret of his strength? Well, it wasn't flesh and blood, obviously. They knew that. The true source of his strength came from the Spirit of God and that he was dedicated to this God. And he knew that, actually. And when he came clean, he said, I have been very zealous for God since the day I was born. And maybe he knows, but no longer. When the Spirit of God filled Samson, he was a, then he was able to do these amazing things. A man filled with the Holy Spirit in an incredible way. And yet, this chapter we've read, he's one of the saddest figures in the whole Bible. Because... His dedication to the living God was squandered and he gave it away for nothing. For nothing. And from being a spirit-filled servant of God, he lost it all and became, as it said, just like everybody else. Just like everybody else. That's the worst thing to be, isn't it? Just like everybody else. And the story, it's an extraordinary story 
covered from Judges 13 to 16. And it is, it, the hope in him is so amazing because as we thought, his birth is promised. And when he, when he is born, if you read Judges 13, it sounds a bit like almost the Christmas story with John the Baptist and Jesus being miraculously born. It, listen, it, it just says a certain man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appealed to, appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. See to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you don't eat anything unclean. So in other words, you yourself must be super dedicated to God. Don't fight, don't, you know, really say, don't seek joy in anything other than him. That's what that thing about, don't have, don't seek spirits to make you happy. The spirit alone should make you happy. That's what all that's about. See to it then, you don't do that. You'll become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will lead in delivering Israel. Wow, there it is. It does sound a bit like a Christmas thing with John the Baptist maybe, or even Jesus, because Samson's special mission in life was to remind that ancient church of over 3,000 years ago about Christ and to say, like, when they were all hope was gone and here's a barren woman, no hope, and then God intervenes and sends this boy who is born miraculously and is filled with the Spirit and delivers his people. And, they, and he, his job, Samson, was to make people go, wow, how great it will be when Christ is born. He was to be a kind of banner, a, a, a summoning point to remind people, don't forget Christ. Keep hoping in him, trust in him. He will do so much more. But look, even I am a little sample of what he is. That's what Samson's life was supposed to be. Because in the time of Samson, in the book of Judges, it was said there was no king. They'd forgotten Christ the king. And they often lived as if there was no kingdom of heaven at all. People did whatever they pleased. And so Samson was born in this special way, reminding them that the very first promise was of, of the gospel was of this one who would be born. He lived this kind of wilderness life of the outsider. Um, and that's important. He's like a wild, hairy man who's the outsider. Why? Because he's like giving a message saying, don't become comfortable with the world. That's Samson. Don't become comfortable with the world. And then you'll see later, you get Elijah a couple of hundred years later, and he's a wild, hairy outsider. And then Elisha is too, actually, after him. But Elijah, he's like this wild, hairy outsider. And as Samson eats, like bees provide honey for him to eat out of this lion's carcass. Read that yourself. Um, Elijah gets fed by animals too who bring him food. And then John the Baptist, he's another wild, hairy outsider filled with the Spirit who also eats like locusts and honey. And these three, Samson, Elijah, John the Baptist, were to think of them as a block. 
They're all of the same character. These ones who were sent to be zealous for the Lord God of Israel, filled with the Spirit, living as wild, hairy outsiders, saying, don't get comfortable with the world. Remember the Lord. Remember Christ. Come apart from the world and see him. See him like that. Wow. Spirit-filled, seek first. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. Then everything in life will fall into place. So there he was to be a Nazarite, if you noticed. Even his mum, before he was born, Nazarite vow. Numbers chapter 6. And it was a vow anyone could make if they wanted to say, I want to be really dedicated to the Lord God. So anyone, man or woman, any age, they could become a Nazarite. And uh, they'd avoid all alcohol, anything that would make them unclean. And they would refuse to cut their hair in any way. So they, that hence the wild look. And it's kind of like they, they deny themselves the like normal pleasures of life or civilized behavior to look like a wild outsider in order to draw near to the Lord God and say, I don't care about anything. I don't care what I look like. I don't care about the things that you can enjoy, the pleasures and treasures of life. I don't care about that because, because I'm dedicated to the living God. That's what a Nazarite vow. And it was a kind of radical fasting, but for light, all of life. And when God was born as one of us, thinking of Christmas, he chose to live in a town full of people who were living by the Nazarite vow. That's, that's what Nazareth means, a town of Nazarites. So he just went to say, I can't, I'm going to live with the people who've all taken Nazarite vows. And hence it says, that, that's, it was prophesied he was going to be this sort of a person, a Nazarite, utterly dedicated to God. Samson was one then to show off total devotion to the living God, uh, pointing to Jesus. So that dedication to Christ the Lord was the true secret of Samson's strength. That was the secret of his strength. And the Nazarite vow was the outward display of that with his hair, right? That was the outward display of this dedication to God. And that's what we should just meditate on. We'll come to this chapter 16 in a moment. But just let's meditate on that, the secret of the strength of this, the wonder of Samson, was not flesh and blood, but was the spirit of the living God because he was dedicated to the living God. Samson had this special calling. Now, we think of him, he, his birth was prophesied, so we go, oh, well, of course he was filled with the Spirit, because even before he was born, he was spoken of. And then we might say, oh, well, uh, John the Baptist, yeah, of course, he could be dedicated to the living God and full of the Spirit, because his birth was prophesied before he was born. But what about the third one of the set, Elijah, right? Now, in some ways, Elijah's, you would go, oh, he's the biggest one. 
Like he's huge Elijah in the Bible because even John the Baptist, and we know he's massive, but even he basically just puts on an Elijah costume, doesn't he? He goes down to his local sort of party shop or something, says, have you got an Elijah outfit? Because he basically just dresses with an Elijah outfit on as if to go, I'm just kind of trying to be Elijah, right? So Elijah's the one, and he represents, when in the Bible, they have Elijah and Moses, and that means the law and the prophets. So Elijah's like the, if you go, oh, the prophets, and the prophets are the spirit-filled preacher, you know, boom, Elijah. Elijah wasn't prophesied. He wasn't prophesied before he was born. In fact, the Lord didn't even call him to be a prophet. This is mind-blowing. Elijah wasn't even called to be a prophet. He decided to be one. <laughs> Honestly, it's crazy. It's crazy. He just said, I'm going to be very zealous for the Lord God of Israel. I'm very zealous for him. I'm dedicated to the Lord God of Israel. Right, <laughs> And it doesn't, he's not even asked the Lord whether that's, you know, is it okay if I sort of become this guy? He's like, it doesn't matter, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be dedicated, zealous for the Lord God. And so he kind of reads his Bible and he says, well, it says here, if Israel is unfaithful, there'll be a drought, right? Lord, and he starts praying there's gonna be a drought. And then he goes to Ahab and just says, right, listen, pal, uh, it's gonna be a drought because you've departed from the Lord. Then the Lord speaks to Elijah <laughs> after he's already appointed himself to be this utterly dedicated, spirit-filled prayer whose prayers are unbelievably powerful. Then is the first time the Lord shows up to goes, uh, okay, um, can you just run, please, because you're about to get killed. <laughs> Read it for yourself. That is true. That's why I focus on him a little bit for us. Because you might be saying, well, I'm not, I wasn't prophesied. Yeah, but you could be like Elijah. You could be like Elijah. And in fact, the Bible says, if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. That's the promise of James 4, 8. And in James, James 5, 16 to 18, he says, the, I learned it as this, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much. Or the prayer of a dedicated, zealous person is powerful and effective. And then it says, Elijah was a human being just the same as us. In other words, there's nothing, there's no reason in the world why you can't pray with the power of Elijah, says James, the brother of Jesus. Shared a bunk bed with Jesus, you know. And he's like, there's no reason why you can't pray like Elijah and be full of the Spirit like Elijah. He was just the same, but he was zealous for the living God and James 4, 8, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. And then he says, in the way that James did quite, he goes, wash your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. 
So why are we not close to God? Why? He says, well, it's because you're double-minded. You're not single-minded. You're not dedicated to the Lord God with that zealous intensity. You actually go, I do like the Lord, but I also like the world. I like stuff. I like pleasure, comfort. I want time on my own. I want my own money. I want my own freedom. I want stuff. Yeah, I also like the Lord. And those, James is like, yeah, double-minded double-minded you've got you're thinking in two worlds the flesh and spirit and Samson is, is a representative to say no you can't be like that if you want to know this power of the Lord in this extraordinary way Elijah John the Baptist James 100% single-minded we've sung it haven't we we've been singing it only you were attention on. All our hearts are given to you. There it is. Elijah, yeah, but Samson, that's what he was. That's what he was. His mission, holy to the Lord, filled with the Spirit of the Lord to be a zealous beacon. And as long as he was like that, even as complicated and messed up a character as he was, sure but as long as he was like that he knew the spirit of god in power the spirit they were constantly told be filled with the spirit don't grieve the spirit what grieves the spirit worldliness worldliness so the spirit's like oh, I'll, I'll stick with you as best as i can but he's heartbroken and grief is a mourning. It's as if it's just if you've died. As if the spirit's like, Where's, where have they gone? Have they died? They once were all in. Well, Samson lost his dedication, and this is what defeated him. Uh, his physical enemies could not defeat him, but his own sinfulness and compromise did. Isn't that interesting? Nothing could defeat him, not a lion, nothing. But he defeated himself. He was the one. That's what defeated Samson. He began to walk according to the flesh, not the spirit. He put on, instead of taking off his old human, this Romans festus will know what this means. Instead of taking off his old human life and putting on the new one, he did the opposite. He took off his new humanity and put on the old one. Disgustingly. And then we read, we've read what happens. And he, then verse 4, he chose a non-Christian partner of, of Judges 16. And the Bible says, don't do that. It's, a very, it's very dangerous once you, if you, if you choose a non-Christian partner. It's, it's very hard, very hard if you do that. And, 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 and we, we've read the story. He forgot. And he's, he's her. The sign of his dedication to the living God was his long hair, the sign of the Nazarite vow. He forgot that in himself he was just a weak man, just flesh, just like everybody else. It was only the Spirit of God that made him, gave him that ability to be fruitful and powerful for God. He took the presence of God for granted. He took God for granted. He, and he, he'd fallen asleep in his life. He doesn't only fall asleep on Delilah's lap. 
he'd fallen asleep at a much more serious level. Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. He wasn't, he was asleep. He'd lost his first love, his zeal and passion for what really matters. And then when he, when, so Zelilah gets him asleep, they cut his hair off, and then he wakes from his sleep and he thinks, ah, I'll go above and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. It's like King Saul, same, wasn't it? The spirit left King Saul and he didn't know it. He didn't know it. 1 Samuel 16, 14, he couldn't lead with power anymore. And David in Psalm 51, when he's committed his sin, the, remember, he prays for forgiveness, but he anxiously says, don't take your Holy Spirit from me because he knows the Spirit may be grieved and say, no, nah, David, I can't empower you to be this person anymore. And David's worried about that. He's seen it happen in Saul. It happened with Samson. Instead of watching and praying, maintaining his zeal, Samson allowed himself just to be put to sleep by the enemies of God and they took away his dedication to God and the spirit left him. Think of Romans 12, 11. Do not lack diligence in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. What a powerful verse, Romans 12, 11. Be careful about this zeal. Keep it maintained. Be fervent in the Spirit. Serve the Lord, not yourself, not the world, nothing. Serve the Lord. Then you will know the zeal of the Spirit, the power. Anyway, I don't want to end. Um, I don't want to, that's, he, Samson wasn't careful with the zeal of the Lord. Just on this thing, dedic being dedicated to the Lord, though, is easy, actually. It's easy. He's lovely to be dedicated to. He's beautiful and gentle and kind and supportive. And, he, and when we return to him, he runs to greet us. He doesn't make it hard to come back to him. Um, he doesn't demand much from us. Come to me if you're weary and fed up with being double-minded, and I'll give you soul rest and show you how to live the easy way. I'll take the burdens that you're carrying. That's how he says Life is weary when we, when we stray from him. There's no one more miserable than the Christian who strayed away from the Lord. So Samson's a warning. Alcohol, lust, money, comfort, entertainment, family, work, any of these can be the Delilah who takes our dedication and makes us weak. Weak. But we, I don't want to end with this as we come to the end. That's not the end of the story of Samson. Judges 16, 22. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It always makes me emotional because the hair on his head began to grow again. And the Bible's saying it's not the end. Samson <clears throat> was humbled. And in that humble, broken state, he remembers and his hair is growing again. And he recovers his dedication to the living God. The Philistines think that Samson had forgotten the Lord and, and, and they think the vile God, Dagon, 
could take the place of the Lord God. And so they bring Samson, this is in the rest of Judges 16, they bring Samson to the temple of Dagon to show off the victory over the one who once had been a zealous servant of the Lord God. And they were going, this guy once was zealous for the Lord God. Now look at him. He's not zealous at all. He's nothing. And our God, Dagon, was zealous for him. And But in the heart of that pagan temple, when it might seem impossible to find his way back to the Holy One of Israel, Samson prayed, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me one more time. Remember me. That's all he needs to know. If he remembers you, he drew near to God and this loving, merciful, gracious, living God rushed out to welcome him, to come near to him, said, yes, I do remember you. I'm glad you remember me. I remember you. And he fills him with strength again and he knows the spirit once more. And, and, and with the power of the Spirit, he pushes down this temple of Dagon and he dies. And it says in his death, he did even more than he accomplished in his life, which we're immediately like, just like Jesus, just like Jesus accomplishes the greatest victory in his death. So Samson would go, isn't it amazing? Even in my death, after all I'd let him down, he didn't forget me. He remembered me and allowed me in my death even in my death, I was allowed to bear witness to his death. I was allowed in some way with my arms stretched wide to bear witness to his death in my death. Wow, it wasn't too late for Samson to return to Christ the Lord. It wasn't too late for him to again be filled with the Spirit. Our God is merciful and kind and longs. To, he remembers you. It's not too late for me and you this very morning, even if we've lost our zeal and have wandered away, and maybe we have followed the pleasures and treasures of this passing age, even if our Samson hair has been shaved off by the Delilahs of this passing age, even if we've lost our first love, it's not too late. The hair on his head began to grow again. Your zeal my zeal can begin to grow again. This very morning, may we cry out, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Lord God, strengthen me once more. May we turn away from that old human life that's stolen our power and driven the Spirit from us. And may we turn back to Christ the Lord with new love and zeal that we may be filled with the Spirit and we may yet do impossible things in the service of the living God. Spirit of the living God fall afresh on us. Amen.